Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. My name is Aaron, and across my living room from me today is also Aaron. <laughs> yep. We've got Aaron Clafton on the couch. What's going on? Happy to be here. Welcome to my home. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. I mean, we were just talking about living in small places. I called it, I welcomed you when you got here to my shoebox. Yep. And it, this is like a mansion compared to my place. You live in a studio, right? A studio, 300 square feet. <laughs> And so does it come complete with a bathroom or is it like, is it the bathroom <laughs> kitchen sink combo? It's, it's got a, its own separate bathroom, which Thank is God, nice. So you've got at least one wall in there. Yep. And then I've got a separate kitchen area, which is nice. And then I've got my bedroom, living room, dining room, office, all in, all in the same 14 by 14 box. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you move in there? I moved in there almost a year ago. I moved in June of last year. Okay. So I'll probably be moving out in June. You get you a 400-square-foot place. Right. My, <laughs> hopefully this new music takes off so I can afford something a little nicer. You know? <laughs> Move into a big mansion down right, in Brentwood yeah. or something. <laughs> Dream big, right? Dream big, Manifest. yeah. Ooh, one of these days I'll be able to live in a 600-square-foot apartment. <laughs> So uh, when did you move to town? When did you get to Nashville? Yeah, so I just hit my uh, seven-year Nashiversary. No way. Yeah, I moved here St. Patrick's Day of 2016. 2016? Yeah. All right. Creeping up on 10 years, which That's is- That's crazy, buddy. Crazy. I'm about to have my six-year anniversary here. I moved here wow. in July of 2017. Wow. Isn't it crazy how fast time went by? It's crazy how fast it's gone by and also how dramatically the ch city has changed in the oh. last six, seven years. Oh, I know. It's insane. Like I, I look at the skyline and it's like, I didn't, when I moved here, I was like, okay, like there's a ton of cranes. There's a couple It'll still big resemble buildings. what I know, you know? And then now I look at it and I'm like, what is this? You know, like <laughs> one of these days we're going to roll in and someone has to be like, yeah, I live in the financial district downtown. And you're like, what? There's there's money. Yep. And the new airport. I haven't seen it yet. But oh, it is huge. Yeah. Huge. The whole new terminal. Yeah. And I remember it being so easy to get in and out of there. No longer. No longer. It's starting to look a lot like MSP. Yeah. It's 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 not awful. I've been in way worse airports. Right. St. Louis. Terrible uh, airport. Actually, that's the only airport I flew through for a very long <laughs> oh, time. No, St. Louis is not bad. I take that back. It's Kansas City. Okay, I was going to say, Kansas City is way worse. Yeah, Kansas City, I feel like I'm in... It's like, like a, a dumpster fire that they're like, and also airplanes. Right, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm in like a like a, like a a apocalyptic world in that airport because it's like, it's like a big rotunda and it's got like half of it you can go through and like the other half is after, like before security <laughs> or whatever. And I'm just like scared to go anywhere because i'm like am i gonna exit and have am, to go through tsa again? Am, am i gonna am i gonna not be able to come back through <laughs> am i gonna have to go through security again if right. i go through this door <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing there have you ever flown through one of those like really really small airports where they don't even have the terminal they just have the truck with the stairs no i've never my hometown of columbia missouri had an airport like that okay. where there was no jetway Yep. You, they're just like, and now we're on the tarmac <laughs> yeah. and there's your airplane. And awesome. I love that. The, the TSA check is one of those magic like wands that detects metal. <laughs> You're just like, boop, boop. You're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the airport I grew up with. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so where I went to college in Bemidji, uh, they have an airport as well. And my friend, she flies typically Sometimes she flies from Bemidji to Minneapolis and then to wherever she needs to go. Right. And she's like, I just love going through that airport because it's just so easy. There's like one old lady working at the TSA and she doesn't really care. She's just like, nah, you're fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she has to put a cigarette for yeah. the last 60 years. <laughs> she puts a, a sign up on my smoke break or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> That's so, all that's all speculation. I don't know if that's true or not. But. No, we love you, TSA. Thank you for keeping us safe. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the old smoker lady. Right. So seven years in town, man. Yeah. What was the uh what was the thing that made you choose Nashville over all the other all the other arts places in the country? Uh well, I had so I had done music pretty much in my hometown of Soccer Rapids pretty much when I was 16, like I was playing county fairs, talent shows, that whole thing. And 
like I would listen to records and follow people on MySpace, like Zach Brown Band and MySpace. Taylor Swift. We were, we were old enough to have had MySpace. Yeah. And so I would like see that they're all based in Nashville. And I was like, okay, maybe that's where I need to go. And so I had always, since I was 16, I was like, I want to move to Nashville and that's going to be where I am going to cool. do my thing. And there never was another place. There was never another place. That's awesome. New York and LA were too big for me. They're still too big for me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, we, well, I had done this like CMT competition thing. Uh, and it was, it was called Music City Madness. And it was like a songwriting competition and you would submit a video of you playing an original song and they would do like a bracket style where mm -hmm. fans could vote you through to the final rounds. And I don't even know what the grand prize was, but I just kind of entered on a whim and it, I ended up making like the top 64 of entries yeah. <laughs> at 16 years old with a God awful song. <laughs> what was it called? Do you it's remember? called October air. Oh, Dramat yep. that sounds like something a 16 year old would write yeah and i mean it looking back at it it was like it had the whole structure like it kind of rhymed <laughs> you know but it had like verse chorus verse bridge chorus you right. know like it was it was pretty good for a 16 year old but looking back i'm like i could have done a way you're better. like thank god i never have to play that in front of people <laughs> right right my friends back home though they'll still like request that song and i'm like i don't even remember how to play that song you know i have the same thing happen when i go back home and play shows people are like oh can you play for the night from the 2017 album I'm like i forgot i wrote that <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah so i i made that the top 64 and like i got to go on our local radio show and i got to be in the St. Cloud times and dang son. I was like, okay, this is cool. This isn't, this is a possibility. Um, and so, yeah. So what'd you go to college for then? I went to school for marketing communications, um, at Bemidji state. And I, cause I mean, my, no, nobody in my family really did music or like saw that as like a career. My family still doesn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> so, my parents were big on like, you need to go to college and like have a backup plan if this whole thing doesn't work out. And I had the same backup plan. And honestly, like when I was 18 years old, I had no idea that there was a way to make a living making music or writing songs or any of that. Granted, I'm still not making money <laughs> writing songs, but, but I mean, there's an no, it's possible. It's possible. And there's an avenue for like performing live and it happens more here than it does pretty much anywhere else. Yeah, totally. So was, uh, was music something that started when you were like a teenager or so? Yeah. I when did like, you get your first guitar? Got my first guitar at on my 13th birthday. Nice. And, uh, for my, my grandpa got it, went in on it with my mom and dad and it was a all black rogue acoustic electric guitar. Nice. Yeah. You wrote a lot of those early October airs on that one. October air on that guitar. <laughs> Played my first live performance with that guitar. I still have the first guitar I ever uh, I ever had. It was my mom's. I've still got it in my bedroom now. Never, oh, yeah. ever, ever play it. Yep. But it's there. Yeah, my parents still have it in their house somewhere. Really? Yeah. Not one of those ones that made it down here? No, because I have like three guitars with me that I never play. And I'm like, I'll just let you guys hold on to it. They're my storage unit until right. I can afford it. It's not it. like you're going to get to play the Opry and be like, that's the one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember I wanted it all black because I wanted to be like Johnny Cash. So, and I showed up in all black today. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you do have that nice, deep Johnny Cash voice. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's just the fact that we're both named Aaron, but we both got that nice, deep voice. Yep. <laughs> were you in choir growing up too? I was in choir. I did a uh, band in middle school. What part did you sing in choir? I was like a baritone. A baritone? Yeah. Me too, baby. Baritone slash bass if if we needed an extra An extra there. low note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could never do like the tenor parts though. So. I, I would love to be able to sing like that. Like I love rock music. I wanted to be a rock oh, singer and I don't have it. <laughs> I know. Me neither. I, I'm always like at uh, 
cover gigs, I'm always like transposing, transpose, transpose, <laughs> transpose. Lower that key for me. <laughs> Thank you, uh, guitartab.com for having the transpose button. Right. Bring it down like nine steps. <laughs> yep, yep. And then you're, then it's just like, okay, just capo it at yep. nine. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Your guitar sounds really high and jangly, and then you're singing it right down here. <laughs> yep. So did you do music in college, or did you kind of take a break from it? Yeah, I, I did music in college. I um, My freshman year, I don't know what came over me, but I was like, I'm going to play at college bars. And so I literally like drove around. There was only like maybe six or seven bars in town. Is Bemidji a pretty small small uh, college town? Yeah, the, the college itself had like 5,000 total okay. students. Um, but it, it was a pretty big hub because like, it, it was a pretty rural area and like the nearest town was like an hour away. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were like the only town with a Walmart and like. Did all of those places have live music? Up. No. Okay. No. So I had to like, well, one of them did, I should say. Uh, but I literally walked door to door to all these bars and was like, hey, like I'm a country artist. Can I play at your bar? <laughs> and all of them were like, nah, we don't do live music. Sorry. Except for one, and it was called the Toasty Beaver. <laughs> the Toasty Beaver yep. might be one of the weirdest names of a bar I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it was definitely a dive for sure. It was the only bar that was open till 2 a.m. Can you paint a picture of what it was like at yes. the Toasty Beaver? Yes. Yeah, so it was it was kind of like a lodgy feel in the front part of it. It had like a lot of like wood, uh, like beams and stuff in it it was like a kind of a basement ish bar too you'd have to like go down half a level from the street and then it had like tables dartboard pool tables it had like a a wooden boat over the bar nice and like a rowboat yeah yeah <laughs> um and in the back half of it was like a dance floor with um where they would set up djs nice it was definitely a very sketchy place i think the dive bar aesthetic is just oh yeah we'll just throw whatever yeah. into this bar and they're like that matches <laughs> yep yep and so i would sing by the dartboards i'd set up my pa system nice that uh my grandpa got me and i would play for four hours they'd pay me 50 bucks and nothing like making 12 25 an hour yeah <laughs> <laughs> i would make tips too um but yeah, it was, it I mean, was that's a lot more of fun. Than, that's more money than I made at my hourly job back in college. Right. And so I would play there Wednesday nights. Um, and I was under 21 at the time. So sometimes like the bartender would like you get the big me, black X's on your hands. They, I, they didn't even do X's man. Wow. Yeah. They, they would just give me beers every now and then though, which was, <laughs> which was fun. But it, what was great about it is I was on the meal plan in college um, and had all my housing paid for because it was my freshman year. Well, paid for, loaned. Right. <laughs> <laughs> paid for. And uh, so that 50 bucks paid, was enough to get gas in my tank for the week. And then I would be able to buy a case of beer for the weekends. So That's it, not a bad life. It was, it was pretty good. Was Especially pretty good. when you're 20, 21 years old and you have no money. Right, right. As soon as you have 50 bucks in your wallet, you're like, damn, yeah. <laughs> I'm rolling hot tonight. Right. Plus whatever tips I made. One of my favorite stories, though, is that I was playing there and I think Red Solo Cup had just come out or a few years prior. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to get get the people going. Started playing Red Solo Cup. Literally everybody in the bar booed. <laughs> and I was like, OK, noted. Not going to play this Never song again. again. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even hear that at bars in Nashville. I know. That's you a don't really song. hear a lot of Toby Keith except for Beer for My Horses. Yeah, that's a great song. I that every now and then I'll do the angry American mm -hmm. as my karaoke song. Nice. And that gets people going pretty. You good. know, Toby Keith gets slack in Nashville, but I mean, he's not bad. No, he's, I, he's insanely successful. Yeah. Like I, he was one of, he was like one of the first CDs that I bought. Was he was Toby the, Keith. one of the only country artists I was exposed to as a kid. Cause my mom listened to the Dixie tricks and Toby Keith. Wow. So that's all, that's all I knew back then. Some polar opposites. Yeah, no there. kidding. <laughs> that's all I knew back then. And then I moved to Nashville and I was like, Oh, there's a lot more. I remember one of my first times in Nashville, this girl uh, was talking about George Strait, And I honestly 
100% looked at her dead in the eyes and said, who's that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I moved here with no knowledge of Nashville. Yeah. And she, she just looked at me like a dummy. She's like, Man. bro. Like, well, I'm glad you learned real quick. Who George yeah, was. real quick. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things I learned real quick was uh, if you don't know something, just don't tell people. <laughs> just let let them think you do. Yeah, nod, that's, smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Yeah, that's my go-to move. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I just nod. And Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, the people do that all the time with me. They're like, oh, do you know so-and-so? My go-to response every time is, I'm I'm familiar with the name, but I don't think I could put a face to it. <laughs> same here, same yeah, here. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I've probably heard your name. I hear a bajillion names. Yep. But if I meet a, another blonde girl named Hannah Smith, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Hannah Smith. There's more than one of you right and there's the <laughs> same thing with aaron's right now uh, yeah i mean you are now the th- the third aaron to have been on the podcast oh wow okay we, aaron cooper used to be our co-host oh, of the yeah. show but uh yeah you are uh the first i think the first guy aaron i've had as a guest yeah a ron's a a ron gotta represent yeah so that was 2011 when key and peel put that video out right yeah i think so yeah what year did you graduate from high school high oh my god i heard my own accent wow you sounded southern (laughs) (laughs) wow that slipped right out (laughs) when you graduate uh i graduated i graduated from high school in 2011 2011 so that would have been right around the time you graduated that that video came out yeah it didn't really like I didn't really hear much about it until like college though. That was around the time I started hearing it too. Cause I graduated in 2012. Yeah. And when I was in college, people just out of nowhere, they're just like, you done messed up a, a Ron. I was like, that's a, okay. I've never, I still I to this it. day have never seen it. You've still never seen no. it. You, is that just like a point of contingency now? You're just like, I will not. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I wonder if like people named, because I know that there's like a D-Nice. D-Nice, Jay Quellen, yep. T-Mothy. Yep. Anytime oh. I meet one of them in the wild, it's like meeting an old war buddy. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I remember 2011. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. That video changed my life because now when I go to like a Starbucks, they ask for your name or yep. whatever. And when I tell them, Aaron, they look like a dog that sees a treat. They're like, yeah, (laughs) I got to say it. I went to Velvet Taco last night and also incredible tacos. Hashtag this is not an ad. Yeah. (laughs) But go on. Velvet Taco. Uh, Went to Velvet Taco. And uh, when they call your name, they're like, the lady was like, hey, hey, Aaron, it's taco time. And I'm like. (laughs) Nice. We've only heard that every day of our lives for more than a decade now. Yep. I get that. And then did you say Eric Clapton? Oh my God. I cannot imagine because your name being Aaron Clapton. It's so close. In a loud bar. Yeah. (laughs) It's really not a stretch. It's really not. I I always say like, I wish I was a Clapton because then maybe I could get some sort of money or like... (laughs) have some musical leverage, you know? Right. But, but no, <laughs> one, one letter, letter off. <laughs> you should uh, you should introduce yourself as Eric Clapton once. And then somebody's like, Eric Clapton? And you're like, no, Aaron Clapton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say it backwards. And they're like, oh, I thought you said Eric Clapton. And you're like, oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm going to use that. So when uh, when you started playing the guitar, were you just doing cover tunes or did you immediately want to like get into songwriting? Um, I started out like, trying to play songs that I loved. Um, Do you remember the first song you learned? It was, I don't remember exactly, but I remember the first song that I learned to play for a talent show. And that was, it was eighth grade and it was Come a Little Closer by Dirks Bentley. Nice. Because it was just an E chord to an A chord the The whole whole time. (laughs) And it was just, one, two, three, four. It was just like a s- super simple strum pattern and I could sing along with it. And I went to like, you had to audition for the talent show and um, I played it. And the one of the teachers that was running it, they were like, you sounded great, but we can't let you sing this song. And I was pissed. Devastated. Devastated. And so I was too inappropriate for school. Too inappropriate. And looking back, it was definitely too inappropriate. <laughs> the song was all about sex. Yeah, I can't really have that like 14-year-old 
pre-hormonal energy just like <laughs> never I really, never, I really never, want it. <laughs> never even been with a woman just like <laughs> just like yeah it's no big deal and i and i was you don't think it's that naive like childhood innocence you're like i just liked the song right it sounds good and i can play it you know and so then i had to learn johnny cash's i walk the line okay and uh the day of the show i broke the string on my guitar <laughs> and it was the first time I had ever broken a string. And I remember my dad just being like, all right, we got to go get, get new strings for this thing. And I was stressed. And, <laughs> uh, he was just like, we were driving all over town trying to find a place to buy guitar strings. And I had never changed guitar strings right. in my life before. I didn't know I could just be like, here, can you change these strings for me? So I was like pulling up old school YouTube videos on how to change guitar strings. I did that too. <laughs> and I was rushing to get it done before the show. Which string was it? Do you remember? Oh, I don't even know. Honestly, I think we got them from Walmart. And uh, Which one was it that broke? I don't even remember. The I think G- it was one of the higher strings. The G string. That's always the one that breaks for me. Yeah. And so I like put the strings on and it was pretty easy. I figured it out. And then tuned it up, got to the show, didn't tune my guitar again. And it's first drum just (laughs) just so out of tune. And I was like, oh my God, this is a train wreck. (laughs) I get through like halfway through the song and I'm like so like nervous and like You're mortified that it sounds out of tune. Yeah. (laughs) And then I uh completely blanked on the words and where I was at. So I threw some like kept going threw some la-la's in there to like get me through the the song (laughs) and yeah i survived it and somehow decided i still wanted to do that (laughs) wow that's that's a pretty rough first performance it was rough where was your first uh like actual show that wasn't a school thing (laughs) funny it was actually oh my god let me pull it up on my phone uh march 27th 2010 that's today I know. That's the, that's the day we're recording years this. ago. <laughs> um, and this was, other than like a talent show or a county fair or something like this, this was my first paid gig. And me and my friend, Carrie Cooper, we impersonated Sugarland. Nice. For an 80-year-old's birthday party. 80-year-old's birthday yep. party? Yep. Wow. And Because they definitely know Sugarland. Yeah. I mean, he did. He was a big fan. And, uh, my friend's mom worked at, or no, she was walking through Coburn's, our like local grocery store and Sugarland was doing like a promotion with Dr. Pepper, I think. And they had a big cardboard cutout of Sugarland and she like brought that to the birthday party, like as like a prop. She asked them, she asked like the manager and was like, Hey, can I have that? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, they're like, we don't care. (laughs) We don't care. (laughs) But yeah, I think we got paid like 50 bucks for like a two hour performance. Nice. And we sang all the Sugarland hits and some other cover tunes. And I (laughs) had to like, I I came up with this like great idea. I was going to have this 80 year old and his wife do a slow dance to, I think some Tim McGraw song. I think it's your love. And this old man is like in a wheelchair like (laughs) can barely walk and him and i like called them up to like the side stage to dance wheeled over yeah and he was he was like he was like hunched over and they just like swayed side to side for the song it was cute but i was like yeah that was definitely probably not the move God, you just had tri- some brutal first shows. I know. I mean, it was a great show. Like, I thought it went really well. We dressed up like Sugarland. I wore a fedora wow. to be like Christian Bush. I can't imagine you wearing a fedora. You are a trucker hat only guy. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't start wearing hats really until I moved to Nashville, actually. Really? Yeah. I didn't start wearing denim jackets until I moved here, but. <laughs> that too. That yeah, too for me. Just kind of, you, you, it's like our dress code. Yeah, it is. If you walk in in a denim jacket, nobody looks at you. Yeah, because you look exactly the same as everybody else. <laughs> when was when was your first show? My first show, I was fifteen. Okay, and so we did like the school talent shows and stuff. But the first real show was at a coffee place called the Cherry Street Artisan. Okay, and we played like I think it was like a half an hour, 
and we did like drops of Jupiter. Nice. A couple of other like punk rock covers, a yellow card. And then we we had two songs that the band had the band singer had written. And I remember just being like, top of the world, buddy. And yeah. we got zero dollars in tips. But I, I I look back on it fondly. Yeah. Because that place is now closed. Yeah. Like, I can walk by it in my hometown and be like, ah, oh, that basement. That's, yep. that's where I performed on stage the first time. It, it's it's crazy how like those moments, like looking back, you're like, I was terrified. But all it took was one person to be like, I see that you have something. Somebody to be like, that was awesome. And then it'll float you for years. It will. I will. I remember our like middle school choir teacher after I like butchered that Johnny Cash song. She came up to me and she's like, you, you, you did really good. She's like. I, and they would do like solos for like choir and stuff mm-hmm. like at like we would go perform at like the elementary school and like there was always two kids that could like get up and play whatever song they wanted to play. The, the, the talented kids. Yeah. And <laughs> she was like, I want you to do that. And I was like, OK. She's like, we're going to pick a different song for you, though. And I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let's take a quick break and we'll come right back with the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. We're back with the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. Eric Clapton sitting across. Aaron Clapton <laughs> sitting across the couch from me today. Welcome back to my home, buddy. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to finally get to sit and talk with you. I know I'd say it on a lot of the episodes, but like we are in bars and venues all the time. It's hard to have meaningful conversations with our friends in places like that. Yeah, this is nice to like really have a conversation. And I know we were talking on the break too about like when we first met and stuff and when we became friends and all that. So that is the question I always ask is, do you remember how we met? The answer can be no. Cause I don't remember how I meet most people. So, okay. I, I think I remember first seeing you. Okay. At a show at the Commodore grill. That would, yeah. And I think I mean, you were playing with your old band mm-hmm. and you were had like all the bandanas on <laughs> and everything. That was our look. Yep. And I didn't approach you or talk to you because I didn't approach or talk to anybody those first couple of years. Right. I, I moved to Nashville. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to sit quietly and talk to, to no, no one. one. Yep. That was me. Uh, but yeah, I remember seeing you there. And then I think we had to have met. I had to have gone to a tour stop show and ran into you there and Belcourt Taps, RIP. Yeah. But Man. the uh the thing that we were talking about off mic was when we probably became better friends was the uh 2019 tour stop tour date in my hometown of Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, man. You that, came up and played that that round yeah. at uh East Side Tavern. Gosh, I got so wasted that night. We all did. We all did. That this that bar was something else. That dude. was a Dive. That was a dive. That place is decorated with horror movie memorabilia. <laughs> yeah. And there's like an old propeller airplane suspended from the ceiling. Oh, gosh. I don't even remember that. Yeah. They have a werewolf. Just I, I have a picture with the werewolf. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That place is where I got my start. But okay. I would play there in college because uh, on Wednesday nights, they'd have an open mic. And if you played the open mic, you could get free frozen pizza. Ooh. And I was so poor. I wasn't playing because I wanted to play. I was just playing because pizza. I needed to eat. Gosh, <laughs> they had, that's, uh, that's where I got my start, and that's where we that's where we probably became good friends. Yeah, definitely. And I I think also at the time there was a group chat, and I went out with Tyler Bank and Zane Parmeter, and they were like talking about this group chat that they had with like you and everybody in it, and I was like, add me to this group chat. What was it called again? <sighs> I don't remember. I remember that the profile photo was like a trophy or something. Gosh, I don't even remember. Was it twerking nine to twerking five? Twerking nine to five. Yeah. That was the one. There's been, I have so many in my phone that I'm in now that I'm like, I don't even remember what all these are named. <laughs> I've got one for, with like my high school friends called the Lone Wolf Pack. Nice. A reference to the hangover. Yeah. You know, so. But we did that show in Columbia and... When we got there, they'd never told me that 
like people they schedule to perform and like sell tickets like we did or cover charge or whatever, we all drank for free. So we didn't, we didn't know that (laughs) until after we'd gotten there and they gave us, I think it was like two, two cases of high life. Yep. And fireball and fireball. And we drank all of it. I think that was the most Miller high life I've drank in my entire life. As should be, (laughs) as it should be. But yeah, and then we we were there for several hours, and then we went to the next place. <laughs> yeah, I I remember they had karaoke after our and you and Zane did a karaoke of a remix to Ignition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, good times. God, that was that was five years ago, man. Young Aaron, young, young Aaron's, Aaron's just <laughs> out in the wild. Yeah, well, I'm glad that we're. I'm glad we stayed friends because I mean, in Nashville, so many of these relationships are mainly transactional, and like, yeah. you play the round, you shake the hand, you leave, and, yeah. and you don't talk to each other unless that happens. Yeah, so it's nice to actually have made a friend, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's crazy too, and especially like with the pandemic that happened. Like, I think a lot that like kind of separated a lot of people that used to be really close that's when twerking nine to five died yeah it it really was sad and i mean it's also crazy now like after us being here almost 10 years now like Mm -hmm. uh people are starting to have success and like i know their schedules are just getting crazier and crazier and it's it's harder to keep up you want to you want to like keep hanging with your friends and then you realize like shit i I've only hung out with my friends like twice this year. Yeah, it's it's wild. And then relationships throw wrenches into those those plans as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then people break up and they each want you to pick a side and you're like, <laughs> I like you both. And they're like, right. Well, you can't like us both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not possible. <laughs> yeah, but the uh the thing that I was talking with Brandon Ellis about was the importance of like the hang in Nashville. Yeah. And that was something that I didn't like recognize when I first moved here. But there's so many people who are just die hard business, 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 yeah. and they get mad. Like there was this video I talked with him about on TikTok, some guy complaining about never having any success. He'd been here for four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like, man. Yeah. You're acting like a jerk on the internet for one. Yeah. And you're in the scheme of everything. Like you're still a baby in town. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I have to remind myself to. And I think it's, I always have been one for like genuine connection. Totally. And like, if I can tell that somebody is a transactional person or somebody who's like only talking to a certain person for their gain, like I can really read into that. Do you know the, the, uh, the over the shoulder conversations at bars where somebody's looking like right past you to see who else is around. Yeah. Those are the people I try to avoid at all costs. Yeah. It's, it's just really, you, you can just tell. And like, I just, and I'm not one, a person to like be fake or phony. And like, I just, I, I just physically can't do it. Like I can't, like if I don't, trust somebody a hundred percent or if i don't like completely vibe with them like i'm gonna come across as probably cold or an asshole but like at the end of the day like i know my people are gonna have my back and i'm gonna have their back yeah yeah so brandon was saying there's things you'll do for your friends that you won't do for strangers and that's why this town is so so important to just be a bud right yeah just be a bud yeah and and it's it's tough too because it's like you want to you want to play the game but you also don't want to like lose your integrity in the whole right. thing. And like I can catch myself being like, oh, I need to be in connection with this person. And like I want to, but that it's a selfish reason. And then I I realize I, I shouldn't chase that. You start you know? realizing that you're the person that you don't like to talk to. Yeah, yeah I can catch myself doing that. And I'm, I try to like, consciously like flip that back to like Mm. who I want to be you know yeah some of the best advice I got when I first moved to town was don't ask people for things yeah offer people things yeah and if the only thing you have to offer is your friendship that's it sometimes that'll be more than enough oh 100 just be someone's bud yeah just be cool to hang out with yeah 
I love that. And I have like, definitely booked people on shows who are less talented because they're fun to have around. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's also like such a long game here in Nashville. And I've learned that too. Like it's not going to happen overnight. You're going to have to work for it and you're not, you're going to have to not make money for a long time and a very long, time. a very long time. <laughs> and yeah, you just got to do it cause you love it, you know? Yeah. So what's your, what's your songwriting process? Like, do you co-write very much? I, I have a very small circle of people I co-write with. Who are some of the people you enjoy, you do enjoy writing with? I love writing with Brittany Moore. Shout out. Shout out to Brittany Moore. Like she gets me a hundred percent. Like we're on the same wavelength as far as like what we'll settle for in a room. That's cool. And she'll tell me my ideas are bad and <laughs> I'll tell her her ideas are bad. It's That's like, the it's, kind of friend you want. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, I love writing with SJ McDonald too. And we don't write nearly as often. I have a cut with her. You do. Yeah. Congrats, man. I love that song. It's yeah. SJ is great. Um, I had a, I've been writing with like, uh, Cody Garrett a mm-hmm. little bit too. And I, me and him kind of are on similar wavelengths, I think as well. And, um, it's yeah. hard finding those people where you, where if, even if you wrote a shitty song or you didn't write anything at all, yeah. the three hours you might've spent together doesn't feel like a waste. Yep. And Tyler Bank too. Uh, I, I've written a good amount with him too. And I love writing with him. I think I've written like dozens of songs he, with that guy. He's like one of the best hangs in town. Like always he, positive, always, always positive. always positive. I call him a golden retriever because he's just a good boy and he is everyone's <laughs> best friend. He is. He is. <laughs> so, Here. yeah, I just love Tyler Bank to death because he he's so pure in what he does. He is. He's he's not writing with you because he thinks he can get something out of it. He's writing with you because I think Tyler honestly loves the art of writing a song. He does. He really does and he's he's gotten so good over the years and I don't know how he does it cuz he works full time mm-hmm. and writes probably 7 days a week. Oh yeah, he at definitely least, does. At least, you know. Yeah, he writes 7 days a week and if he writes 6 days a week He's playing around the night that he's off. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's, that man he's, works. There's there's no chance in the world he will not get a pub deal one of these days. Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, the man's already gotten maybe two dozen cuts. Yeah. Just from having written so many with his friends. Yeah. In one of these days, somebody is just going to pop off. Right. And then Warner Chapel is going to be like, who did you write this entire album with? I'm going to say Tyler Bank. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. So you are uh, you're putting out new music. Yeah, I've got. So by the time this is out, I'll have uh, a song coming out on April seventh. Yeah. So you're listening to this the day it came out, Thursday, April sixth, the year of our Lord Kelsey Ballerini, as decided by uh, I forget who it was. We decided that the the phrase used to be the year of our Lord Blake Shelton. Oh, but okay. we've just. The the new Lord this year is apparently KB. chosen for us, Kelsey Ballerini. Yep. I love that EP, man. <laughs> it's I love that it just is it gives you all the dirt, you know? It does. <laughs> so I, new music fan. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the recording process like? Who'd produced it? Uh so I worked with Caleb Fisher at Farmland Studios. Cool. Um and David Dorn kind of was in the room as well. He played keys on it and kind of led direction a little bit as well. Um but yeah, the song coming out on Friday is called Bar Changes. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it about a bar in Bemidji. Nice. And, and it was fun. It's funny because we were the talking. Toasty Beaver? The, no, not the Toasty Beaver. <laughs> a better bar. A better bar. A, a bar that's still around. Uh, and it's funny. We were talking about like how Nashville has changed so much since our time being here. And I think I look at my hometown and I look at my college town and they're completely you don't recognize them you don't recognize them and when i graduated my parents came to town and for for the graduation ceremony and we went out to this bar called the keg and cork which had been around for years before i went to college there and my parents both went to college at bemidji state as well and they would hang out at the keg and cork and so we walked in there and I remember my dad saying this bar hasn't changed since the eighties. Wow. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And like that, for some reason, that idea just kind of stuck with me. And, um, December of 2021, I kind of was like thinking about how like my hometown is changing. My college town is changing. Nashville's changing. You are probably changing. I'm changing as a person, but like 
one constant is that one bar, That's wherever cool. it is, you know, like whether it's Red Door or... Red Door will be the same until Jesus comes home. Right. Or whether it's Keg and Cork, like there's a bar in your hometown that is going to stand the test of time, no matter what, hopefully, God willing. And so I kind of loved that idea. And so I started messing with it and I brought like some imagery in from like my hometown about like painting the water tower and um, building a new high school. And um, I had like that first verse done and I brought it to Cody Garrett and we landed on bar changes. So that's and, cool. Yeah, it was it was a fun ride. And was it just you two on that one? It was just us two. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and yeah, I brought it to Caleb Fisher and man, they they absolutely killed the production on it. So for the people who've never heard your music, can you give us a like a an elevator description of it? Yeah. So I've kind of been thinking about it a lot lately. Like it's country music for a kid who grew up in the suburbs. <laughs> it's I kind love of that. kind of like Heartland Rock meets uh like Bricks and Dunn. That's cool. Like I love I love that like redneck hillbilly country music yes, you do. so much. But that's Joe just, Diffie. Joe Diffie. Like, I love those guys and I love fiddle and steel guitar, but like, that's just not who I am as right. a person. You're not a redneck. I'm not a redneck. I grew up in suburbia, like, played hockey. Like, I, I'm, I, I hunted and fished when I was a kid, but like, that's not something that was like my passion. Right. And you did it with your family because it was a family thing. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's kind of somewhere in between like that Heartland Rock meets country music for kids like me that's so. cool so that comes out uh technically tomorrow friday april 7th but if you're listening to this literally anytime it's out it's out it's out. go listen to it now <laughs> but um, i love the production on it so much too because it's since my parents went to college there in the 80s like i wanted to reference those musicals that's awesome taste that like my dad loved 80s music and so there's a lot of synth in there there's a lot of like sparkly guitars like and it's it sounds so cool and it's a lot different than anything i've done in the past really for sure. yeah you've yeah. done very traditional country music in the past spare yeah. key being that debut single yeah was that that was the debut correct my nashville your nashville debut, debut. yeah yeah gosh that that feels like a lifetime ago yeah 2018 i think Oof. or 2019 2019 bc 20? Yeah, before, before COVID. COVID. <laughs> yeah, so. So you've got the new single coming out on the 7th, but there's more coming out as well, right? Yeah, so I this year I'll have I'll be releasing four songs. I released Things You Do When You're Young. Uh, gosh, when was that? February. And Banger. I, thank you so much. It's, yeah, that was a solo write. And then I've got two more songs coming out this summer. Cool. That and then you're going to release be, them all as an EP later? Yeah, so it'll I'll be doing them all as singles, um, just because that's what Spotify likes. Right. And I'm trying to appease the Spotify gods, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I've never heard that appease the gods of Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it'll eventually be an EP and with some acoustic versions cool. on there as well. So, well, as we try to appease our Swedish overlords. <laughs> Uh, what's, uh, what's, what's changing in your life for like outside of music? What, what's going on in, in Aaron Clafton, the man, instead of Aaron Clafton, the artist, <laughs> lots of therapy, <laughs> dude, that is something that millennials desperately need. Oh gosh. I, there was something about turning or the transition from 29 to 30 that just really messed me up. Um, and so like I turned 30 this year, I'm trying to mentally prepare. Yeah. It's, it's not as bad as you think. It's, <laughs> it's actually a lot more freeing than that anticipation is. The thought of what it's supposed to be like in your twenties is overrated. It is. It is. And especially we're in Nashville too. Like everybody's a kid. We're <laughs> you all know? kids. We're all super immature and we're all not on the life path we expected to be on. And that's yeah. Okay. all of our parents are like, uh, do you have health insurance? Right. Do you have health insurance? When are you going to, how's give us that, how's that 401k? Like, <laughs> and you're like, which one? What? 401 what? Uh, it's like yeah. it's 440 is the interstate. Is that right. What you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, I, um, went through a brief little breakup with my girlfriend in 
this last year and we got back together and things are good. And I'm just like learning how to be more authentically myself. And that's kind of been my, my, one of my main focuses this year is just trying to be okay with where I'm at and not try to put too much pressure on myself for not reaching like those life milestones that I at a certain point I would have had by now. And so, yeah, it's, it's been good. Like these last six months have been really great and I feel like I'm becoming more of who I want to be, you know? I like being who we want to be instead of who we think we should be. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The, the perception of just the dark drunk country artist in Nashville that, I mean, country music is an alcoholic. <laughs> it is. And it don't is. get me wrong. I've written plenty of booze songs, yep. but the, it's like that eighties rock star thing. You think that you have to be that to be famous or right. successful yep. and you don't. Yeah. And like, I had like a little bit of a realization too the other day, like I was, I think another part of why I was having a lot of hard times in my 29th year of life was because I was comparing myself to all these other guys in town who are the redneck, who are like the hardy Morgan Wallen type mm. artists who are getting deals and having success. And I was like, I, how am I going to do that? Like, that's not who I am. And then like, I had this realization like literally two days ago and I was like, you know, if 23 year old Aaron saw like just moved to town and just wanted to make music, we're, we're listening to like these songs that I have coming out. Like he would be such a fan. That's cool. And he would be like such, he would be so inspired by the music that I'm putting out. And I'm like, that's that's how I need to look at it. And like, there's going to be room for it. There's room for everybody, you know? Absolutely. And I kind of had that narrow view of like, I need to fit in this box in order to have any kind of success. And that's just not Why true. fit into a box when you can build your own box? Man, preach. Yeah. I, I love that you said you can be proud. You, like a younger version of you would be proud of what you do now. Because I was thinking about that. Like the, the community of Torsop that I've built is something that I craved so deeply when I moved here. Because yeah. there were still writer's rounds and stuff when we first moved here. But it wasn't it wasn't as robust. There weren't as many as there are now. Yeah. And I wanted to go to something like this yeah. where people just wanted to hang out and be friends. Yeah. And uh, man, like I think back to like my first couple of times going to tour stop too, like it was, it was the outlet that I needed to know, like it's okay to like put yourself out there. Cause like I, those first, that first year and a half of me living in Nashville, I was very isolated and very, I was too. And very scared to go anywhere and introduce myself to people. And, so thank you for building this thing. <laughs> thank where, you for thank you for helping make it what it became. Yeah, is right now. Yeah, and it's it it honestly like that was one of those like things that really helped me like put myself out there and like know that it's okay to like I don't know do your own thing. It's okay to say hey. Most people, most of us don't know anybody. Right, exactly. It's okay I still to, don't know everybody. I still don't know anybody. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about a Redneck Limo. Oh, gosh. You, you aren't a redneck, but you do have a song that I love, <laughs> which I hope, knock on wood, will someday come out. Maybe. Maybe somebody will cut it. I got to find some redneck folks that want Somebody a little that. more. Maybe maybe Hardy. Or Mac Martin, maybe. Yeah. But <laughs> who did you write Redneck Limo with? I wrote that with Allie Dunn. Allie Dunn. Of all people. One of my OG tour stoppers. Yeah. One of my old friends. From Staten Island. Which weird dichotomy of her writing a song about a pickup <laughs> truck. I, I remember I came in with that idea. I think it was like something about a limousine. And I was like, what if it's like kind of like a redneck type limousine? And then I was like, what's a redneck limo? Like, oh, it's a truck. Obviously. With everybody in the back. Yep. And yeah. And Allie was just like, I don't know anything about that, but I'm here for it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the opening line? We don't got an uptown. Oh gosh. In a small town. We right? don't got an uptown in a small town. But we're turning heads when we drive around. Yeah. Got the high life waiting on yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great song, man. Thank you. Hardy, if you're listening. We got a song for you. Perfect. <laughs> well, Aaron, uh, is there any advice you'd like to leave to the people who might be listening to this who are thinking about moving to town or may live here already and 
are scared to leave their apartments. <laughs> <laughs> Man, just go for it. Like, I, I think it's important to realize that we're all in the same boat. Like we're all trying to figure this whole thing out and like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be scary and that's okay. And like, just do your own thing, stay true to yourself and like, just go say hi to people. It was scary on that first stage when your string broke. It was. Yeah. That's a great analogy. But for analogy. some reason you kept doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to be scared. And that scared feeling is what kind of forces us to do the next thing. Yeah. I, and also like, if you don't think you're ready to move here, that's okay. Yeah. Like I, I remember like I had done like a meeting with NSAI prior to moving to Nashville and they were like, you probably should just stay in your hometown for a little bit. And I was like, fuck that. <laughs> I was like, I'm moving here. Cause I was like, I'm not gonna, if I stay in my hometown, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing here. And like, I'm not going to grow. And if you want to grow as a songwriter, as an artist, as a human, like this is, this is it, this is it. And this is like, there's so many talented people and they're going to push you to want to be better. You'll, you're going to go to a writer's yeah. round and hear a song that's going to give you an emotional reaction. You're going to be like, oh, I've got to write something like that. Yeah, it's 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 great. The competition is great in that aspect where it's like, I got to be better. And, yep. and I got to show up every day to try to be better, you know. Constant, so. constant improving. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, give us your plugs, bud. Where can we uh, where can we find you on the Internet? Yeah, you can find me on Spotify Apple Music, um, Aaron, at Aaron Clafton. Uh, Not and, Eric Clapton, yes. but Aaron <laughs> Clafton. Yep, and then on socials, just at Aaron Clafton. You got lucky just getting at Aaron Clafton. I know, man. Were you like Only one. one of the first people on Instagram? I probably was. I w- As a marketing communications person, I was like all over social media when I was wow. I wish I could go and, back and talk to yeah. Aaron in 2010 and be like, <laughs> Hey, so I know you want to have Schlibby nine six five six music guy yeah. as your username, but maybe just make it Aaron Schill. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could go talk to that kid. Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> I'm definitely thankful that I was an early adapter of a lot of things. So AaronClafton.com for all updates, everything. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast this week featuring my good buddy, Mr. Aaron Clafton. We'll be back again next week, but in the meantime, you can check us out on social media at Nashville Tour Stop, or you can find us on the web at NashvilleTourStop.com. We've got our whole live event calendar. We've got a bunch of new venues that are coming up this spring. We're going to be doing shows at the Hard Rock Cafe. We're going to be all over town, a whole bunch of new places, and I've teased it before, but there is a huge announcement a brewing and i cannot wait to tell everybody but in the meantime please do remember that all roads lead right back here to the nashville tour stop yeah.